listening to the Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15. Hey there, everybody. I'm Joe Struth. And I'm Adam Salarzik. And we are meteorologists at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this is the Past the Forecast podcast. We're here again, Adam, another Wednesday. Yes, we are. We're once again staying six feet apart practicing social distancing six feet apart for episode six yes it is about that correlation right there a couple interesting things to talk about today obviously we know the COVID-19 pandemic it's serious this is a big deal it's been in the news for weeks now our Uh, stay-at-home order went in effect today right and we're seeing we're seeing cases rising all over the United States it's scary it's getting really, really scary. And to think two weeks ago we were talking about sports and how they could potentially be impacted, and now we've hit two weeks without sports. It's kind of changed how people are interacting, not just because of social distancing, but on social media and what they're doing with their days. And I know that we have some hobbies, and that's something that we can explore here, and these things that we've experimented, we'll probably talk about a little bit later, but there's also other impacts that COVID-19 is could potentially be having that you might not think of right away, and we'll talk about that in Tracking the Topics. Tracking the Topics. Yeah, so the first topic to track. This is a very interesting piece of information that came upon our desks this morning so COVID-19 from a weather perspective immediately you probably think well it's it's a virus it's probably not going to have major impacts on what we do on a day-to-day basis as weather forecasters the weather data is still there the weather observations are still happening but there's one form of weather observation that is not happening as much that comes from the airline industry if you didn't know this commercial airliners cargo jets any aircraft, a lot of aircraft, have weather stations on them, and they can get us weather data in a similar way to perhaps you could think of a weather balloon. So one really good example of this is during a hurricane. We've got the Hurricane Hunters planes. Those are specially designed to get data during a hurricane. But when it comes to these observations from these aircraft, we're seeing a reduction in the availability of these observations because the airline industry has been slowed from COVID-19. A very unique perspective on how this pandemic can impact our jobs. Yeah, so in less than a month, this is coming from an article from CNN, that the number of aircraft reports over Europe that were received and then those instrumentations, those readings were put in, are usually put into certain models. This one is the European model uh, because it's over Europe, uh, went down by 65%. That is not a minor cut to the number of uh, readings and information going into these, uh, into these weather models. Now, we are still, the key here is, that we are still receiving uh, important information from cargo planes and package carriers that are still able to fill in the holes, but we're not getting as many readings as we typically do. And that could have an impact on our weather models and potential forecasting. But the fact that we still have those readings is still vitally important to keeping these models uh, accurate, uh, as accurate as they can be 
uh, during this time. Yeah, and this data, it's called AMDAR data, uh, directly from aircraft. It goes into our weather models, and that's how we get information that helps us model out what could happen. As meteorologists, we then use our skills uh, to try to perfect that forecast, if you will. But what's interesting is we still have our weather observations on the ground. We still have our weather balloon network. We still have other forms of gathering weather data, anything from temperature, pressure, humidity, all sorts of things like that. But seeing that we are seeing a bit of a reduction, you could make the hypothesis that, hey, there may be some some impacts to the, the weather models themselves because they don't have such an influx of data. So I called the weather service on that this morning. We got this to our desk. I started going, all right. How much you were very it? interested in this, and I found it. I found this last night, and I thought that it was interesting. And I told you today, and you're like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, wow. well, I never would think about it, but the commercial airliners are seeing a reduction in the amount of flights. A couple of the major players have announced cutbacks on the amount of flights they're having. Those airlines have weather data. So, when it comes to the, our weather service locally, I called the weather service in Northern Indiana, and I talked to their science operation officer there. And he basically told me, look, the AMDARs, they're important from commercial airliners, but we still have enough air travel over our region, over our section of northeast Indiana, that while there may be a reduction, we're not seeing major impacts to the forecast process thus far. Now, should we see more and more and more planes reduced? In that case, we could obviously have less data that could maybe result in some impacts to the forecast process. But he basically assured me, look, we still have tons of data coming in. There still are planes flying over the region. So here in Northeast Indiana, we are not seeing poorer forecast to this point. Maybe something to watch, uh, but he did not seem overwhelming, overwhelmingly concerned about this to this point. And for those that may be like, oh, how important are these aircraft observations? How much of an impact do they truly have? Well, a study published in 2017 by the American Meteorological Society, AMS, discovered that utilizing aircraft observations reduced six-hour forecast errors in wind, humidity, and temperature by 15 to 30 percent across the U.S. That's incredible. That is quite the impact that these tools on these aircrafts are able to provide this kind of crucial information that helps to uh, basically now cast uh, in a way for our weather models and our information that we're using to put out the best forecast we can for you. Let's talk real world example. Here in northern Indiana this morning, we're talking about significant dense fog. Fog? Fog. What is that? Um, <laughs> significant dense fog out there. There you go. And in a real world example, the weather balloons are launched at 7 a.m., 7 p.m., and we don't launch one here in northern Indiana. So we rely on these aircraft observations to give us a real understanding of the atmospheric profile. In this case today, it would be very, very important for us to see the moisture content in the atmosphere to see what is the likelihood this fog sticks around longer than some of our high resolution models are handling. So today's a day where you could say, look, I think the fog's going to burn off because that's what the models are showing. 
Think back to Christmas. Christmas is a great example. The fog just stuck around and stuck around and stuck around. And I'm sure if we looked back at that AMDAR data, we might be able to see some signs that, look, even though the models are resolving a low-level inversion, uh, like we talk about when there's fog, we're getting technical here, but resolving that potential to have that low-level fog or that dense fog, I should say, at the low levels, these real-time observations from the planes could give us a clearer image of what's happening and if we have less of that, in theory, that could eventually impact your forecast process. But as I said, there's still enough going on that the Weather Service locally is not too concerned. Yeah, and, and it's going to be interesting to see if there will be an impact in the future uh, coming up here in the next few weeks, the longer that we sit here and try and figure out how that we... Uh, you're distracting me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just full of energy today. It's a good day. You, you just drop. What, what are you eating over there? Well, I might be munching on a strawberry. Well, that was a poor time to munch on a strawberry. You just dropped it in your lap. And Correct. It distracted me to the point where I Correct. lost my train of thought. I gave you the signal to keep talking, but <laughs> then I, you're trying to figure out what to say. It's like, what is, <laughs> what oh is going on over there? Oh, boy. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if there's any kind of impact as we go a couple more weeks into this, as we see the weather data, if it is impacted uh, by this lack of readings we're getting from these aircrafts that are not flying. Yeah. So something to keep an eye on, definitely a uh, perspective from the weather community. I didn't expect to maybe come across this morning, but really just incredible. I, the, the lack of passengers in the airline industry due to COVID-19 could have an impact on our weather data. I, I never would have imagined, but it's a very interesting thought. It's all connected. So COVID-19, um, I don't really want to talk about it too much. We've heard a lot about it. Our newscasts are filled with it. Social media is loaded with it. But what COVID-19 has done for you, me, everybody, we're staying at home. Yes, we are. So what are some things you've been doing, some hobbies that maybe you wouldn't normally be doing or some things you're doing to keep busy? Look, sitting in your apartment all day is fun for a day. For a day, been maybe two. TV, Usually right? your weekend is fine. Right, watching TV, whatever. You're just bumming around. But now, now is this is what you got to do. So what have you done to make it a little more entertaining, or pass the time a little more, or maybe learn something new? Uh, for me, I have been uh, looking up recipes that I could make with things that are normally in a pantry that are a little bit different out of the ordinary sometimes. I haven't gotten too crazy with them yet. I've seen them uh, on the social media, on YouTube. Uh, the uh, Last week I made a, sh a spicy shrimp butter uh, pasta dish that was very, very good. Uh, I'll take your word for it. Uh, yeah, you don't, you're, not a, uh, you're not a seafood guy. Well, <laughs> not by choice. I know. <laughs> but uh, it was very, very good. Uh, I usually pick uh, a, a recipe... A week to cook, that's new. I've found myself finding a few more recently. Obviously, I can't cook everything because I'm trying to limit the trips to the grocery store, uh, trying to make things that are in-house as much as possible. Lots of chicken dishes. Uh, lots. Of, I got some ground beef. Uh, that's probably going to be on the menu for uh, this weekend. Maybe I can see what I can whip up with that. But otherwise, basically just been cooking. And I've been trying to find new things to watch that increase 
interest in things that I might not have had previously. Uh, like, uh, I've gotten into watching like magic videos on YouTube. I've fallen into some holes. Interesting. Uh, I watch magic videos, and I've Penn also and Teller watched, action. I've seen some Penn and Teller stuff. Uh, I've watched like puzzle boxes, and it's very interesting. It's gotten really boring sometimes, not going to lie, obviously, if I'm sitting here watching somebody solve a puzzle box. Yeah, to your point on cooking, I've also found myself in a position where, look, I'm at home, I have to cook, so I found myself trying some different things. And what is your cooking experience? Because cooking is already a hobby of mine, so I've been experimenting for the last several years in terms of cooking. I've seen some of the stuff that you've made in the past. But I have been impressed. No, we, um, look, I'm a year <laughs> out of college. And in college, we Ramen. found our ways to eat very efficiently and very cost effectively, not very healthy. Um, so in making that transition to a real adult in the working force of America, um, I've, I found a way to try to expand my culinary talents, if you will. Uh, they were not talents necessarily a year ago, but I think I've, I think I've come a little bit of a way. Um, the more you do, the more you learn, one, the better you get. One big tool I've added to my kitchen that I'm absolutely loving now, Your especially repertoire? with this, is a indoor grill, griddle grill. Uh, what a awesome appliance because you can... You can grill. You can do the old panini thing on it. You can even make quesadillas on it. The grill side, steak, chicken, pork chops, burgers, hot dogs, Italian sausages, brats, whatever. Eggs. You could do eggs on the griddle side. You could do all kinds of things. Pancakes. Yeah, exactly. Bacon. Bacon. The versatility. Yeah, I'm getting hungry. The versatility (laughs) that this is really brought into my kitchen because it's easy to clean. It's easy to use, and it really puts out a good product. I made some grilled chicken yesterday. It was like it was just off a, a grill out back. So I'm really enjoying it. Um, what's your what's your goal in terms of cook? Like, is there a certain dish that you want to master or learn how to do? Or is yeah, there a certain just, kind of meat that you want to get better at cooking? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of things. I just want to be able to have more confidence in anything that I'm making. I think that's really the thing because – I've come a long way with something like steak. So yes. steak at first was a disaster because you're trying to figure out, okay, is it cooked? Is it cooked? Is it cooked? But then you come to find out, wait a minute, you really don't need to do too much to get a nice medium rare. So when you start to learn that, it's increasing your confidence. I'm not going to get sick from this. I'm not I'm not eating undercooked meat. You know, that's a big fear. I think starting out when I was using chicken, I was like, it's got to be cooked. And then it's like, wait a minute, just get it cooked so it's still juicy inside. So that's just the it's just a learning process, time and time again. I'd like to add more to the to the the book, but the problem is with the grocery stores lately, there's not exactly easy to come by the most diverse selection of meats. So you kind of got to take what they got. Uh, I, I would recommend for steak to try the reverse sear method. Have you done that yet? So reverse reverse sear method, you sear. First, correct? And no. You bake in the oven. You bake it in the oven. You bake first, and then you and then you sear it. Right. Okay. And that okay. is, I have done that. I did that for the first time late last year, and it is the only way I cook steaks now. So highly recommended the reverse sear method. It's only in the oven for twenty minutes, depending on what heat you put your oven on. 
and then you put it on the stovetop in a cast iron for two minutes each side, if that. Get some nice color on there, and it is perfect medium rare. So, yeah. look into that. That's a, that's something a lot of people have suggested. I've found with this appliance that if I just set it to sear, it's just like it's on a grill. And it 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 really works out. Um, it really works out well from what I've used so far. Because even chicken, we've all seared chicken in a pan. Man, I had some bad experiences with that early on, just with oil all over the place. And you can't have it too hot too early. Exactly, that's and that's the important that's thing. what I learned. It's and you, with this grill, you just do it, and it just comes out good. So I've had a lot of fun with that. Um, I found an interesting recipe online. I'm thinking about trying. So this is something you might be interested in: grilled okay. chicken, grilled the chicken like normal. But this is a sauce you can put on it. Uh, so I was I was. I was using the YouTube yesterday, and I found an interesting green sauce. So My in attention a, is peaked. In a blender, jalapeno peppers, mm-hmm. uh, just a can of them. Get the juice out of there, put the peppers in. Greek yogurt, mm-hmm. Greek yogurt, a little bit of garlic, mm-hmm. salt, pepper, the juice of one lime, and cilantro. Blend it all up like a creamy green sauce. Grill the chicken up. And then brush the sauce on when you're getting cl- close to the end of your, your grilling cycle. Uh, flip it. Get it both sides on the grill a little bit. I don't know. I think that sounds really good. Uh, that sounds amazing. And I will be pursuing that now for my weekend, which is coming up here in the next couple of I'll days. I'll send you the video. I'll that is what I'm video. going to do. Uh, so, you saying Greek yogurt just reminded me I still have your strawberry yogurt. That's that right, I Adam. At the grocery store. We're, we're working the <laughs> we're working the buddy system here at the grocery store because we both live near each other, and half the time you can't find what you need. So we kind of say, "Hey, if you see that, grab an extra one." Uh, but that's what you got to do with times like this, right? Help each other Help out. Each other Check out. on the uh, uh, the older people around you as well. Make sure they're doing all right. Make sure they have what they need. Any other hobbies you're uh, pursuing? Uh, just a lot of guitar. Same as last week. A lot of guitar. We've been getting into some crazy things. Rockabilly. Nice. What am I doing with Rockabilly? I don't know, but I've been I've been going down that road. A little Folsom Prison Blues. Um, just just rocking and rolling to the Stray Cats lately. Um, it's passing the time. My hands are getting better. I love guitar. That's the thing about music is you can do the music in any situation. You can always make music. So that's why I'm glad I have that as a hobby. Uh, one thing I am missing, though, I'm missing going to the gym. Just to uh, go yes. and, and just burn some stress off, just just to get just away. To get out of the apartment. It's yeah. a great escape. Like, even though you feel, obviously, you are exerting yourself, for me, the gym has just become a place where you can just get away. And that's what I'm kind of missing. I, I have been doing at-home workouts, as I'm sure many people have with all the gyms closed down. Uh, I've been doing probably about 20 minutes of, of cardio outside, 20 to 30 minutes. And if I feel like it, I'll go for another 15, but it won't be as hard. Maybe it's another walk, another lap around the complex or something like that. Uh, just to get outside and enjoy nature instead of being cooped up inside of the apartment the whole time. I've even gotten to the point where I'm just opening up my windows and my sliding glass door just to get some airflow and fresh air, just to give the illusion of being outside. Even if it's raining outside, just making sure it's not too heavy of a rain that it's causing uh, wetness and dampness inside of my apartment. But uh, I've been doing weights inside. I've been doing the crunches, the push-ups, the burpees, 
It's uh, I'm doing harder workouts inside of my apartment than I did whenever I was actually going to the gym. That's what my girlfriend <laughs> said too. She has her gym closed. She's doing uh, like kickboxing things. She said that the videos they're sending you online, like for on Facebook or whatever, if you do those workouts with it in real time in your living room, she's like, man, I was getting a really big, really big cardio session in just doing that. She's like, maybe not any more so than she was getting, but she's finding an equal level of satisfaction from it, which I think is pretty cool. Obviously, we're all trying to find the best out of a tough situation here. So I don't know. I, I think that's interesting. I'd like to find something like that. Um, I know someone in my apartment complex who lives near me has been doing it, maybe above me, and is very, very loud. Um, so I, I get it. We all got to suck it up here. But, you know. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do to stay fit during this time. That's the that's the challenge. And like you said, at least you can go out and, and go for a run. Um because go for a run, go for a walk, just get outside. Well, this something. is the time of the year where I'm usually getting ready to go out to the driving range and just start hitting some balls and eventually start playing some golf and stuff. I mean, it's definitely there's definitely some things that are missing, but like you were saying, if you if you find a way to keep busy, we can all get through it. Positive attitude. We'll get through it. Yeah, without a doubt. So, that's some of the things we've been up to. If you've been up to some things or have any unique suggestions, send us an email, pasttheforecast at wayne.com. We'll feature them next week. P-A-S-T-T-H-E-F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T at W-A-N-E dot com. We got to make sure we spell it out because people think we say past the forecast. It's past. And also, we are in Fort Wayne. They might think that it is... W-A-Y-N-E. There's a lot of spelling going on in my head, and English is not a strong suit, but I believe I've spelled everything correctly. <laughs> Adam, that was that was glorious. Was beautiful. All right, let's move on to some interesting things going on in the weather world. What the hell? What the hell? What the hell is going on in Hawaii, Joe? They had two, not one, but two, Tornado warnings issued last week for the first time since 2008. That is 12 years that they had not had a tornado warning. Now, they have had confirmed tornadoes on the island, uh, usually EF0s. Most of the time, it's a land spout uh, that had one of them hit uh, the island of Oahu in 2015 uh, that formed on the leeward side of some of the mountains there because it is a very mountainous region down there in Hawaii with the volcanoes they have. So it's not uncommon to see little spin-ups like that, but uh, it's uncommon for there to be tornado warnings, especially at 1.20 in the morning Hawaii time. Nocturnal tornado event in Hawaii. A couple things that immediately stand out to me about this. Uh, number one, we talk about our main areas for tornadoes. Tornado Alley, Dixie Alley. There's an interesting stat out there. If you live in Kansas, the heart of Tornado Alley, and you put down a point at one single location, you could go years without seeing a tornado at that location. Because a lot of times tornadoes are short-lived. They're not very large. Believe it or not, the chance that you have one spot that gets hit by a tornado 
in even the eastern half of Kansas, is pretty low. So now you take the very small Hawaiian islands, then you can start to say, okay, look, those, those are pretty small areas. Yes, they're, they're large landforms overall when you're on one of the islands. Um, it's not just like a two-block by three-block yeah. thing. But we get what you're saying. There's, you take a single point there. If you, if you even call that island a single point, the chance that they see a tornado very low. Obviously, there's a lot of other things going into it, global weather patterns, all sort of things like that. But and we have a little bit of an advantage in our Great Plains um, to why tornadoes can happen there perhaps more likely and into the Dixie area just because of how it's set up. But you put one point there in Hawaii, you can think about it. Look, it's not very likely that that one spot is going to see a tornado. So for me, I'm actually surprised that they've had that many in that period of time, even over 12 years. It's not you out see what of I'm the saying? Realm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's, it is surprising because while – if you've ever been to Hawaii, I have not. But for what I've heard and what I've seen in terms of weather, they don't really get thunderstorms all that often. It's more rain that they get. In fact, the Western Regional Climate Center uh, climate says Hawaii's climate, they usually see about 20 to 30 days each year with a thunderstorm. So... Thunderstorms, which will frequently see potential for tornadoes to develop in supercells, don't typically always happen in Hawaii. Uh, they might see those quick pop-up showers and rain, but not too much in terms of the thunder and the lightning. So they get caught off guard sometimes, maybe whenever they hear thunder, like, what is that? But obviously, uh, you see it 20, 30 times a year you'll understand that it is a thunderstorm. It's just uncommon there. So it's uncommon for a thunderstorm, so much less to see a tornado warning. Now, no tornado uh, touchdown associated with either one of those two warnings. That's the key stat That here. were issued, yes. There was not actually a tornado. So that even adds to the rarity of it. Maybe they saw conditions on radar. That there was rotation, yeah. The potential's there, but they didn't have a confirmed tornado. In fact, they haven't had a confirmed tornado since... Uh, 2015. April 23rd, 2015. And it sounds like that day they didn't have a tornado warning out for that. So it's very interesting, very rare, um, but it's happened. A couple of tornado warnings. Again, the difference, the difference for folks at home. A tornado warning does not mean there is a tornado. It means there are very clear signs that the storm is producing conditions that could produce a tornado. So take cover as if there is one occurring or that tornado warning can then be upgraded uh, to for our end as meteorologists to then say this is a tornado warning for a confirmed tornado. In this case, this was a tornado warning basically saying conditions are favorable. Radar is indicating that we have a tornado in this location at the ground. We didn't actually see that, uh, but we could have very much so. Yes, and, and always take those warnings seriously as if there is a tornado on the ground, whether or not the language says it itself, if there is one confirmed or there is not. Anything else on your mind? What the hell? Anything else going on in life? Uh, no, not really. We already touched on the hobbies and things that we're doing at home. You I got don't anything? Know. I don't know. I just, what the hell? 
What's up with all of this? Yeah, just life right now. What the hell's <laughs> up with my forecasting lately? Yes, let's let's just jump let's right into right that. Into that. <laughs> Hits and misses. Hits and misses. Okay, I want to preface this with I spent a long time forecasting Saturday morning. Sierra Tufts, my co-anchor, she's right there next to my desk, and I said to her, Sierra, today could be a problem. I don't you, know. You what texted to do. me right after the morning show. I <laughs> knew. I knew a couple hours later I had uh, messed up. So this was the forecast that yours truly put out for Saturday: partly cloudy with a high of 40 degrees. I put that out Saturday morning. Again, partly cloudy. That means generally more sun than clouds. It's going to be a pretty nice day, 40 degrees. That's not bad. We were going to see a little bit below average. We had clouds. We had had a low deck of clouds overhead Saturday morning. And I saw signals for and against clearing skies. So let's talk about this. So I come in Saturday morning. We've got clouds overhead over Indiana, clouds over Ohio, low-level clouds over Michigan. These are all low-level clouds. But we had a northeasterly wind. Again, We've talked about a northeasterly before. It can work for us, but it also can work against us. In this case, we were being influenced by moisture off of Lake Erie. Northeasterly wind all the way back to Lake Erie was feeling moisture. It was continuing to add moisture to our atmosphere at the lowest levels. Thus, you need moisture to have clouds. A contributing factor is the fact that we've been so mild this winter, even though we are now in the spring season, lakes got nowhere close to freezing over. And that's why we have that available moisture over the lakes to pick up and give us that cloud cover. So we're cloudy. I know that there's a northeast wind and we're continuing to see some of this influence. But back up in northeastern Michigan, back where the cloud deck ended, it was starting to erode away. Drier air was coming out of the north. It was starting to eat that cloud deck away from northeast to southwest. So I said, you know what? We're going to see a gradual clearing trend today. We did, but we didn't see it in a good enough time. We have, It was a, a very, very, very gradual. Right. Very slow. And I saw indications um, on some of our weather models that said these clouds are going to stick around for a while. I saw other weather models. The overwhelming consensus from all the weather data was that we're going to have clearing by noon clearing start by noon and be looking at partly cloudy to even mostly sunny skies by mid to late afternoon. Now, I was not the only one that had this forecast out. Others across our region had this out. TV stations, the weather service, think about your favorite phone app, all these devices, all these resources. We all had this consensus that the clouds were going to clear. But again, I knew this was a high risk forecast to it had a high risk of high chance of, of busting. busting. Yes. Busting. I, was, I didn't know if you wanted to use the word. Busting. Yes. Yes. Busting. <laughs> so we finished the morning show and the whole morning show. I'm going, all right, we're going to see some clearing skies throughout the day today. We're going to see some, uh, some gradual clearing by the afternoon. When that happens, our temperatures will shoot up. We started the day in the upper twenties. Well, lo and behold, my, I would say probably my gut was telling me maybe you should leave the clouds in a little bit longer. Um, I didn't follow that at all. I just followed what I was seeing, and uh, I, I got hit 
Our clouds stuck around throughout the day on Saturday. Our temperatures only warmed to 33 degrees. So I missed the high temperature by 7 degrees Saturday afternoon. We call it in meteorology your Great Lakes inversion. Uh, an inversion in the atmosphere basically trapped that moisture at the lower levels. We got stuck with clouds. We did see the clearing into the overnight hours into Sunday, but I think I missed the clearing by about seven hours. I don't think it happened until <laughs> late Saturday evening. So You missed it by seven hours, so uh, an hour for each degree. There you go. So not my, not my greatest performance. I put something up on social media. I laughed at myself. It happens. You're going to miss. This, is, this was one of those situations where had I played more towards it missing – or more towards it sticking around, I should say, the cloud cover. You know what would have happened? The clouds would have cleared. We would have had sunshine. I would have missed the other direction. I would have undershot the That's temperatures. That's how it always works. It always works like that. So for the people out there, I did use my education. I did use everything I could to try to put together the best forecast for you. By 9.15, the morning show had ended. I sat there with Sierra, and I texted Adam, and I just texted them and said, we are screwed. <laughs> and I walk in at about 3 o'clock, see your temperature is only at 32 degrees, and we did bump up another degree. That's right. I uh, went down to the weather station. <laughs> I, I put my hand over the thermometer. so it, uh, That's all I could do. It got a little bit warmer. Um, we also, Joseph here, myself, I missed a little bit more. Sunday we came in. We knew there was a chance of a rain-snow mix Sunday night into Monday. Felt pretty good about that forecast. Our timing Really solid by the time that came out on the time it would arrive to the area. And ultimately, my snowfall forecast, I had put out a snowfall forecast of up to an inch possible north of US 30. We saw a little bit more in some locations closer to an inch and a half, even a few isolated two-inch spots. But I'm not really upset about that forecast because, A, it's March now. We're looking at a much more wetter snow. So if you saw any more mixing with rain, you were going to be... You're flirting with a degree or two in either direction here. So I I put out a forecast that I thought was very uh, very balanced forecast. I wasn't going all in for like a one to two, but I also wasn't saying, ah, we're not going to see anything, even though all of those could have been on the table that morning. Uh, so I'm not too upset about that. I'm upset about yesterday because I had a 40% chance in for rain on Tuesday I did, was, I did too. It was dry Tuesday. Yes, it was. And, and Adam, and, Adam, Adam can talk about this one. I had my so Joe on Saturday put forty percent for Tuesday. I came in on Saturday night put thirty percent because I started to see a southward uh, southward trend in the models uh, that had us more on the northern periphery of any kind of precipitation. Joe comes in on uh, on Sunday. And puts us at 40% again. So here we are flip-flopping back and forth between 40 and 30%, which we don't do very often. Justified, though. Yes. It, it, it was justified for you to bump it back up to 40% and what you felt like you were seeing. I come back in on Sunday night. And this is, this is where it kind of gets into personal preference, too, in terms of how far out do we want to show our confidence in something. You were very confident in the in the rain on Tuesday. Uh, I had my hesitations, but I kept it at forty to avoid the constant flip flopping back and forth because there was there was a model that was showing widespread rain right. across the area, and it was the same one that you were you were very confident in. 
and there was a uh, compared to what it was on Saturday, there was a slight northward progression, very slight, but it was there on the other models that we were looking at. So I was like, okay, I'll go with 40. I don't feel fantastic about it, but I don't like flip-flopping uh, either. So I'll go with not flip-flopping instead of changing it back to 30. And here we are on Wednesday now. And Joe, how much rain did we see on Tuesday? I believe we saw zero. There were some showers off to the south. So you right. The could make the argument for the viewing area saw some. For 30%. But as for us in the airport, I don't think the airport no. saw anything. We saw... Uh, very little in terms of coverage of rain across the area on Tuesday. So it, it, it busts a few days out. And that happens. But where we have been accurate, our hit this week, even though we haven't gotten to that point yet, is our precipitation chances for the end of this week. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday are all uh, still in there. And it's looking pretty good to see a wet end to this week. And that's what we were seeing uh, over the weekend as well. So to be that accurate for four to five days out, it's pretty good. Yeah, the system that came through or that was modeled to come through on Tuesday, it definitely had its it definitely had its flaws there. It had its its bust potential, if you will. And, and we definitely uh, had definitely had my doubts. But when I saw Sunday morning a bit of a northward trend back from a lot of our models, and that one of our short to medium range models was still painting a pretty wet picture here. That's why I went back there. But to your point about flip-flopping, yeah, I really try to, I think we really try to stay as consistent as we can just for you, the viewer. If you watch Saturday morning and I'm telling you one thing and Adam comes back Saturday night and completely changes it, there he can do that because something may have changed. But when I come in Sunday morning for my second day, it I mean, what is what does it mean if I were to completely flip right back? No, there are definitely instances where stuff like this happens. And it's necessary. It's necessary. In this case, flip flopping between a ten percent pop between the two of us is minuscule, especially four days out. Right. And it's something where perhaps I should have exercised a little more caution. Just with the potential there for this to not pan out. Um, so it's these experiences, though, that we build on to get better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's something where, you know what? A lot of people are at home right now. It didn't rain yesterday. It's not like it had a huge impact on people. My hope and your hope ultimately is through these experiences of missing forecasts or getting some things wrong that we can learn from that, take it into a scenario in the future. To win, when we really need to get something out that is going to impact people, we better know how to do that. Exactly. Viewer questions. It's the past the Forecast Inbox. This one comes from Drew. It is related to COVID-19. Uh, what has been the most difficult adjustment during these times of social distancing? That's an interesting question. I don't really have a great answer. I uh, hear... We're seen as an essential business. Right. So it's been mostly business as usual. I would think the most difficult thing has been uh, lack of social interaction with people that you usually see on a daily basis. Even if people are in the building, we are not going back and forth and seeing them as much. People are mainly staying put in their same locations and not 
interacting as much as they typically will. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. I think it's the biggest thing for everybody right now. For me, it's probably just knowing that I have to stay at home, especially on my weekends. I can't go to the gym. I can't go to the golf course to hit some golf balls. Just knowing that now that no longer exists. And we were both getting into a really good rhythm of going to the gym, especially on our weekends. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Trying to get trying to get four or five days a week if possible. Yeah. And just not knowing that it's no longer a personal choice, but that those luxuries, they are luxuries, are not there. That's probably been a bit of an adjustment because I have no problem making the choice to stay at home and watch TV all day. It's just when you no longer have the choice to do anything else, I think there's a bit of an adjustment period there. Uh, but knowing that a lot of the restaurants are still open for carry out and you can still get your groceries and stuff like that. You can still go out and get a little bit of exercise, just not right. where you typically do it. Uh, that That's that's the good thing. Uh, but this is all for a reason. The quicker we can get this done, the quicker we can get back to normal is the way I look at it. Hopefully, hopefully in the coming weeks when we come back to you here on Past the Forecast, we have hopefully some better news. That's what we're yes. hoping for. Hopefully things definitely start to improve definitely our thoughts go out as well uh to all the people out there that have been impacted and uh like we keep saying just hope everyone everyone stays safe and thanks for listening yeah if you're uh, listening to this on apple podcast or wherever you're listening to it give us a give us a rating leave a comment leave a question let us know what you think and we'll uh definitely take that art we appreciate any kind of feedback we always want to be improving not just our forecast but just getting better at the Past the Forecast podcast. So with that, we'll see you next time as we'll try to be... 82%. That would be significantly different for me after last weekend. (laughs) Right about the weather this week. We'll see you guys. This has been Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15.